0: show where we talk about tabletop gaming topics of all kinds. This week, we're talking about two things. I'm one of your hosts, Fletcher.
1: I'm Kitty. And I'm Chris. This is the last episode before TGTCon this weekend. So we're going to start off by talking about that. Then we're going to take a look at one D&D, which is the next version of D&D, which has just been open to playtesting. I see Chris making a face that means I should have said Dungeons and Dragons when I said d No, d No, D&D
2: is fine. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Don't worry. If you're not into D&D or any other kind of role-playing game, this conversation may still interest you as we look into how Dungeons and Dragons is changing and why.
2: But first, as always, a thank you to our Patreon fans of the show, Adam Harrison, Miles Clark, Sahara Wentworth, and the Gift of Games in Grace Lake. Huge thank you to all of our other patrons as well. Um, Normally, I tout how much how important it is to be part of our live audience. I'm pretty sure if you were part of our live audience today, we lost about half of you. Sorry about that. I'm
1: really sorry. I am like (laughs) full of beans tonight. I don't know what it is. I'm just excited about my new chair. I don't know
2: okay but um full of beans does is not the reason that we lost because it is all over zoom so i don't know what's going on over there but that's fine um we just have a lot going we we were signing up for games for t2t con
1: (laughs) i was signing up for games i'm setting up my new space i'm taking turns on bga i'm doing all the things
2: it's all good uh yes speaking of bga and discord join them we're going to talk a whole lot about it a lot about that at the beginning of the episode so stick around for that regardless of how you feel about dungeons and dragons because there's some important stuff and cash prizes um how have you guys been
0: i have been good uh just i just found out today that i'm going to be closing on my new home on friday so that's yay, exciting yay that's so exciting yeah.
2: I found out today that you're going to come and pick up this giant treadmill that's been in my basement and unused for the last three years. So I'm excited. (laughs) Have you really not used it in three years? Um, The screen's on, and it's like a screensaver, but I'm pretty sure the screensaver's been on for about two straight years at this point. Uh, So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's in a little corner in the back.
0: I know. Every time I've come over, it's like, oh, yeah, that's right. You do have a treadmill. And like everybody else's treadmill, it's, you know, turned into a clothes hanger. Yeah.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: This one just,
2: yeah. Yeah. It's in the back corner, but it is, as far as I know, works or at least will with minimal maintenance. I sent you the model number, and you looked it up, and you're like, "Wow, this cost a fortune to sit in the back corner <laughs> of a basement and never it's, get it, you." That's it's how not Chris cheap. Does so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it'll be worth your while. Um, but that's cool. So you're closing Friday, yes. and then you get the keys, and then we get the
0: keys. Then... It'll be very exciting. And then you have you're to actually moving... do
1: things, and it's hard. Yeah.
2: Moving down the block.
0: <laughs> yeah. So luckily, it's only about four blocks away from where we're where I am now. And then we're getting movers. So we just have to pack everything and put it in boxes. Um, and then movers will come and pick it all up and move it for us. And they'll do the big stuff, too. Are
2: they just going to carry it down the street? Because that's what I, I <laughs>
0: It's like a little ant trail of, like, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> movers.
1: I'll send you a link to the movers we used. We really liked them. Okay.
0: That sounds good. Um, well, that...
2: That is definitely exciting. Yes.
0: Very excited. Finally, going to be moving into our new place where we have some space. And then you will host game night. And then I can host game night. We have a private roof. It'll be great. Well, we can have game night up on the roof deck.
2: It always sounds like such a good idea until you actually do it.
0: What? Outside gaming. Oh, outside gaming. Just, yeah. Really um, outside You Might be able to play Azul. Which is...
1: um. We spent a lot of time outside this weekend. We, by we, I mean Spencer, decided he was going to burn the stumps in our yard. Um, So he just piled up some dead wood on top of these stumps and lit fires. And we looked like Gondor was seeking the aid of (laughs) Rohan because there were just lines of (laughs) fires across our yard. Um, But it was a fun weekend.
2: I guess that's one way to go about it. Now you have a bunch of cinder stumps at they
1: the- weren't better <laughs> to start. <Yeah>. With. <laughs> you know like hmm. we've looked into a lot of different solutions on how to get rid of these stumps and um Burning, burn it with fire. The,
2: burn it with fire. You know that's burn a solution to a lot of things <laughs> is where actually.
1: came down.
2: Yeah, I've been cleaning out my basement uh, and I really want to burn things with fire and I'm not going to outside.
1: But- with a fire break you know
2: yeah yeah i'm gonna just call 1-800-GOT-JUNK and have them come and pick it
1: up <laughs> if these stumps were inside and i could do that that is what i would have done because 1-800-GOT-JUNK is amazing that is fletcher another moving tip is when you are leaving your old place like just schedule like, oh, we're moving out Tuesday, and the movers leave at 4 p.m. One eight hundred got junk should come Tuesday at 5 p.m. <laughs> and you just say anything left in this place, take it. Yeah. And like, it made my life so much easier when we yeah. moved
2: because what people don't realize is not just a garbage truck showing up because they actually mm-hmm. they a lot of their money comes from going through your junk and like, is you know, it free? Getting the good stuff out. It is not free. No, you pay, it's, and it's not they, cheap.
1: But they've got two dudes who just come in and carry everything out. You just point and say, that thing. And they're like, okay. And they pick it up and carry it out. And you don't have to touch anything. I see.
2: Yeah. And it can be anywhere. They'll just pull it out. They're like movers. It's one one half of movers. It
1: can be garbage bags. (laughs) It can be, you know, like that shoe rack full of dust bunnies stuck in your closet. 1-800-JUNK will take it. This is not sponsored. I just love yep, it. I was
2: going to say, TGT Junk Talk, not sponsored by
0: 1-800-GOT-JUNK.
1: Not, not sponsored. We do not have that. But
0: if you would like to sponsor you know,
1: us. Right? Please. 1-800-GOT-JUNK, I will be happy to sing your praises. Yes. Too bad I've just given it away for free. But Yep.
2: That's, that's what happens. Um,
1: now they'll never marry me. <laughs> Never.
2: I was I was gonna say it, I'm glad you did.
0: Why buy the cow <laughs> yeah.
1: uh, so awful. Um Yeah. Yeah. All right. TGT so, Con, come TGT hang Con. out with us.
2: <laughs> All right. So T G T Con is gonna be a lot like this, only you could actually um talk back at us. Um it is uh, no, they're talking week- back now, but we'll
0: be able to hear oh, no.
2: them. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's true. We will hear you talk back at us um we're super looking forward to it um me probably more than well kitty and fletcher probably more than me because you guys don't know as much as what's going on which is what we're covering today we're getting everyone in the loop uh this weekend saturday morning i have opened up a few tables to go the start before the 11 o'clock start time due to time zone differences and people just wanting to play earlier games so i'm like okay sure um so let's let's go over the basics here If you're already signed up because you used one of the forums in the previous episodes, awesome. You should be, your name should be blue in our Discord and you should be in our TGT um, Tabletop Game Talk group on Board Game Arena. If that's not the case, um, just ping me on Discord and I'll fix it. Um, I'm trying to keep up with that. From this point on, though, there's no need to sign up through the forums. All you gotta do is go to our Discord and sign up for games. This is not intuitive yet, and this is why I'm going to say the next thing. If you're signed up by Friday, midnight, Central Time, also all times for this entire convention are in Central Time. Um, If you're signed up by Friday, midnight, Central Time, you will get an extra drawing in the three $100 drawings, an extra entry into the three $100 drawings that are happening. Um, Now, there's... The way this is working is if you are playing three hours of games or three, time, you know, hour-long time slots of games, the game doesn't actually have to take the full time slot, uh, you will be entered in the Saturday drawings. There's two of them. Uh, if you're in two hours on Sunday, you'll be entered in the Sunday drawing. There's one of them. If you've signed up by Friday for the qualifying amount and you played them, you will get a double entry for those drawings. So... This is my way of saying sign up by Friday. We have about 50 people signed up for the convention. We have about 15 people signed up for games. And any game that doesn't have any people seated at it by Friday midnight, I'm going to remove from the schedule. Uh, So if you want to grab something, grab it now. Also, if you don't see a game... And you want to, or you see a game at a time and no one signed up for it and you want to move it, just let me know on, on Discord and I will move it. Um, my goal is to work with everybody to get games that everyone can play with the times they want to play them. Um, all right. So I'm going to pause there. Canadian Fletcher, you just found out all about this stuff and you gave me a hard time about this system.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean.
1: It's um not intuitive. It is
0: interesting. <laughs>
1: It is. It is as fiddly as the games you enjoy.
2: <laughs> there you go. I'm Step one: find
0: the game you want to play on the list. Step two: get a carrier pigeon. Write no, down. Step one. <laughs>
1: <laughs> step one: and? go to Discord and find the thread. Yes. <laughs> that. But brings you to the Google spreadsheet that has the list. Then get your carrier pigeons out.
0: <laughs> Step one. All right. Go so... to your Burger King. Ask Jeff. <laughs> ask for Jeff. He'll he'll tell you to go down the street. Make Not a right. Jeff
1: with a J. Yeah. <laughs> Jeff, with a, Jeff G. with a G. Yes.
0: <laughs> you go down the street. Two <sighs> blocks. Make a right. There'll be another guy, Jeff. But this time, Jeff with a with a J. <laughs> He'll give you the secret (laughs) passcode. It's a little
1: easier than that. Write the games you want. (laughs) Throw them in the garbage (laughs) can. Jeff is on it.
2: (sighs) All right. I'm going to make it a little bit easier. I'm going to circumvent the first two Jeffs. Um, There's a link (laughs) to the spreadsheet in this episode's show notes. Click on that link. You're going to see a list of games and the times they're playing at. That's pretty standard fare. It's a spreadsheet. It's easy enough. But you do need to go to Discord. There's a channel that literally says, TGTCon, sign up. You're going there, and you're just letting me know your BGA name and the game IDs you want to play. From then, I'll take care of the rest. Um... So that's all there is to it. That's that's really all there is to it. But you do have to look at a Google Sheet and then go to Discord to sign up. I apologize for this. Why am I using this system? Um, because I wanted to use Tabletop Events, but I have to charge you, if I use Tabletop Events, uh, at least $2, which... I don't want to charge for this. So that's why I didn't use them. That's why I came up with my fun spreadsheet, which I did have a, a blast setting up. If you are interested, the take a look at all it. This spreadsheet looks the...
1: like you had a really good time making
2: it. <laughs> I think there's
0: going to be. It was fun.
1: You're going to have to join Sydney and Spencer's spreadsheet podcast after this. Yeah.
0: Is, is, is there going to be yeah, a I, panel talk on how you set up this spreadsheet?
2: <laughs> um, I'm just going to. It's going to be ongoing talk. The entire time, I'm going to be talking about how the spreadsheet works. So it, it's going to be. It's gonna be fun. So, but yeah. So that's look at the spreadsheet, grab the game ID, post it in Discord with your BGA name. Um, and that's that's really the 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 whole thing. Now, what will probably end up happening on Friday night is I'm gonna create a any table that has met its minimum. I'm gonna create an entry, and then you'll get a link saying, "Hey, this is where you need to click to join." Um, if I know that the table can be created by somebody who's sitting at it. Um, I may not do that, but I kind of want to have, um, I'm setting these up as single table tournaments. And the reason I'm doing that is because you can then search the single table tournaments under tournaments and you can see all of the games that are being played and when they're being played. So it's kind of a neat little, um, system on BGA. It is not easy. It's a little tedious to do, but I think there's only going to be, you know, 60 or 70 games. So I'm, I'm going to try to do that. A couple things I want to call out Saturday night. We're going to do blood on the clock tower and you should sign up for that because we need at least seven, I think is what she wants as a minimum. Um, and no more than 12. So the first 12 people that sign up for that, I think we already have like five or five or so. Um, we'll play blood on the clock tower with somebody who's run this game a zillion times. If you know what blood on the clock tower is, then it might be something that interests you. If you don't, it's a very involved social deduction game, Kitty. You will hate it. Fletcher, you might like it. Um, I'm not There's expecting you guys. It's a part of me guys... that
1: just wants to get in there. But
2: hey, but no. I'm. I fully would love to have you in the mix on this. But um, it, the game will kick off. There'll be definitely. We'll definitely have twelve people. So if you are interested in there, um, sign up early on that one uh another thing if you look at the spreadsheet and you're like oh man this game doesn't have anybody and i want to play but i can only play at this other time there is a channel in discord that says event requests tell me hey can you move this to this time and yes i will i'll just move it over uh we'll get those all fixed up um getty says someone should record that game it's going to be on zoom so we could record that uh there's it's a multi for blood on the clock tower um it's a multi-room game too. So you'll have multiple rooms where people are talking and then you all come back to the main uh, thing. So there's a lot going on on there. So it's, it'll be, that one will be fun. Let's see. So, so yeah, so if you want to move a game and there's nobody signed up for it, just let me know. I will move it. If you want to play a game that's full, let me know. I'll create another one. If you want to play a game that I didn't put on there, we just noticed that Parks isn't on there. Um, it will be by the time you guys listen to this, but um, let me know. I will add it. So this is... Everyone's con. Um, I put a preliminary schedule up because we had to start someplace, but that's not set in stone. We will change and move things as we need to. If the day of Saturday, um, you're like, oh, I have some extra time or more time, or I didn't sign up for this or whatever, there will be a channel that is um, real-time pickup games. So you post in there. It's like, hey, let's all play a game of you know Beyond the Sun. Uh, who's in? And you create the table and then people can join. So that makes it easy for you to have pickup games on at the same time. Pickup games don't count towards the drawing, the qualification for the drawing, simply because I don't really have a good way of tracking that. So sign up is what I'm going to be going for for drawings. So at least sign up for three hours of games on Saturday and two hours on Sunday if you want to be in the drawings. Um, If you see the host is TGTCon, then there isn't a designated teacher for the game. It doesn't mean that someone at the table won't be able to teach it. It just means no one's claimed the role of teaching. So in that case, feel free to sign up for it, but watch a quick video on how to play just so you're not completely in the dark. Um, If you want to claim a game saying, hey, I want to play this and I can teach it, uh, let me know and I'll add you as a teacher so people know. Um, That, I think that's everything It's a lot of stuff, right?
0: A lot of stuff, a lot of of fiddly bits. (laughs) (laughs) Um,
2: and yeah, so Kitty and Fletcher are going to be signing up for games tonight. I've already signed up. I think I filled my entire 11 to 11 schedule already. Um, So we're trying not to play together in a ton of different games. There are a couple that we are, um, but we're going to kind of want to spread it out. So if you want to play with us, just, you know, sign up early and you'll see our names are all over the place. And we will probably maybe Sunday we'll do this where we'll have um, the three of us in some kind of spectated game where we're, you know publicly trying to destroy each other. So I think that would be fun. <laughs> um, I'm just, I'm, I don't know. I'm like really excited for, for this weekend. So that's what's happening. If you have any questions, go to Discord. Ping me. Um, best to just talk in the TGT channels because other people will be able to answer your questions as well. But this is set up so that it's kind of a free-for-all. If... Slash when we do this again, um, I'll probably set up an event system. I'll probably make you guys pay $2 to get a a, a badge for our online convention just so I can use um, tabletop events, which most people are used to using. And then I don't have to worry about my fancy custom spreadsheet, which I do love. But that's what I'll end up.
1: I mean, you can still have it. You just have to populate it yourself with the... Yeah, information, yeah. and that seems like a big waste of your time. But, you know, if you love it that much, you can use the spreadsheet.
2: Yes. Um, I also can't emphasize enough, for those of us that are, those of you that are international and stuff, if you want to schedule a time outside of the normal time that will be there, so 11 11 Central on Saturday, 11 to 6 Sunday, um, just let me know, and I'll add it in there. And because there'll be other people that'll be up at late at night or mm-hmm. in different time zones. So I'm more than happy to, you know, go go outside of those um, time zones. Um, 1 a.m. For, says for Miles, who's in, who is in Australia, 100%. Yes, we can do a 1 a.m. game. And I will Price actually a 1 a.m. Chris is usually up can, then anyway. <laughs> I'm usually up at 1 a.m. anyway. So I am more than happy to play a 1 a.m. game. Um, so that I will take the 6 a.m.
1: Play. shift because that is when I am up anyway. Chris goes so, to the the 1 to 3 a.m. That falls on Chris.
2: Yeah. I'm I'm usually up pretty late. We're already getting a number of people that are like, yeah, I'm in. I can do it. Sure. Um so all of yep. So all of this is it's just gonna be fun. There'll be a ton of voice channels. Um we're we'll talking all over the place. Most games are gonna be hosted in BGA. There'll be every table, so each game has a table number, and every table has a room that'll be voice chat and some games will happen on zoom when that happens you'll get a link so you know where to join this is mostly the social deduction games and the stuff that's not on bga um but all of that will be easy to deal with and you know it it'll be very apparent if you don't have a discord account but you know somebody who is make sure that that person is monitoring for you um if you, you can join if you only have a BGA account as long as somebody that you know has Discord so that I can communicate with you. So that's that's the only rule there. Um. All right. That's Khan. I
1: see that you and Fletcher have signed up for multiple games with each other that are during times where I have signed up for other things.
0: Yeah. Well, sometimes that happens. I'm going to try to not sign up I for any more s- games with Chris on Saturday.
2: Yeah, I I told Fletcher he had to play Great Western Trail with me. So I signed him up for that one. And that one is full already, but um, I'm still, that's the first one I'm looking forward to. Oh, I forgot. We're having two tournaments that will be running parallel. Saturday, um, we'll be kicking off a um, Next Station London tournament. And we'll have a How to Play just before that kicks off. It's on the schedule. Sunday, we'll be doing a Welcome to tournament. And we'll have a How to Play that'll kick off. Um, just before that, those tournaments will be turn based, so you can take your turns between playing other games. Uh, they will be a relatively small time frame, though, so that we can actually play as many games as possible during that time. So it won't be like a day, one turn per day. It'll be more like, you know, 12 turns per day or something like that, something where you'll have to take your turns on a pretty regular basis. But um, so those will be there too. So if you just want to have a pickup that way. Okay, go to Discord, ping me if you have any questions. Uh, you can ping me directly, uh, or you can talk in the channels, ho- whatever you want to do. I will be watching Discord pretty closely over the next week. I will say um, my work schedule is a little bit crazy, this work, during the day. um, So there'll be a few hours, you know, blocks of time where I won't be very responsive. But I will respond to you um, within the same day that you post. So um, this week, I will be very, very attentive as much as I possibly can. Let's talk about Dungeons & Dragons. Yay. um, Kitty. What happened with Dungeons and Dragons, and why do why should people who never play Dungeons and Dragons even care? <laughs> <laughs> for those um, of you who don't realize what happened, because I strip out all the silences, Katie just stares at me blank and blinks. So just imagine that happened for ten seconds, and then I stripped all that out.
1: So D anD D announced a new edition. I guess. Yeah. Are we calling it a new edition? I don't even They're know. Not. They're
0: not. They're
1: not calling <laughs> it a new edition. It essentially kind of is. But it's sort of like a new edition, but it's just like um, a rebranding. I don't know. It's like a fresh start, but also all of the old stuff is still good.
2: All of the things you just said are pretty close to true.
1: Great. I'm so <laughs> glad that you threw me under this bus to begin with. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so so yeah. Why don't you clarify? And then why should people who've never played D&D before care? I don't know. Um, it does sound like they're trying to make it more accessible to get into their they are rewriting all of the core rule books to be more user friendly as part of this not new edition.
0: Correct.
2: Fletcher, do you have anything to add to this before I clarify?
0: <laughs> so one thing that they talked about in this in the YouTube video was they said that it is backward compatible f- to previous editions, which I didn't quite understand. I was like, are they saying that this is compatible with that Like what? <laughs> <laughs> no. no, they
1: just mean fifth edition, Okay. As yeah. far as I can tell. It's um, gonna be fifth edition compatible. Yeah,
0: but they said previous editions, so, so I was confused.
1: So a lot so of are people they.
2: are, yeah, a lot of people <laughs> are confused about this. Um, a lot of people are reading into this more than is necessary. I've been watching a number of D and D YouTube channel responses to this, and I see it all over the board where people are speculating and, and all of this. Um, I'm going to tell you what's actually happening. This is not speculation. This is a hundred percent of my opinion and fact. So, oh, it's both. <laughs> well, my opinion, opinion is fact. <laughs> my opinion is fact. Um, I will, I will, um, you know, take that for what it is, tongue in cheek. But, um, <laughs> essentially, they're announcing. So, when fourth edition was sunset, and they announced that a new edition was being created, that new edition's name was D and D Next. It was just like you know. Code name Alpha, whatever you want to call it. That's just what they called it. It didn't have any real name. One uh, D&D is essentially the same thing. They're going through a year and a half to two year long playtesting process to establish the next set of core rule books. Chris Perkins, who's the lead, essentially game um, or the story designer on the system, he mentioned in one of the videos that they don't think of D&D as additions anymore um, and a lot of people are reading into that and saying, oh, they're never going to make another edition of D&D. That is absolutely yeah. false. Um, it's, it's just, it just it's, wouldn't it's work. It's insane to think that, <laughs> yeah, the current group yeah. of people are like, we've made the best D&D game that ever existed, so no one will ever make a revision after this. That's not what's going on. But a lot of people don't understand that fifth edition, which everyone calls 5e, nowhere in any book ever in the current edition of D&D, does it ever mention that it's this fifth edition? It just says Dungeons and & Dragons. And I believe that's what Chris Perkins was referring to when he's like, we don't think of d d as editions anymore. We just think of it as d d They're already doing that. They did it in 2012. I think it's 2012 or 2014, whenever um, fifth edition came out. They removed all mention to edition. What? Yeah, it's it's been about eight years eight or ten years um which is makes sense to have a revision now three version three had 3.5 that happened about six months later um version four had essentials which is essentially the same thing that they're kind of doing now so it's not uncommon to go have like a 0.5 version um, <laughs> Michael asks, are they still using d20 yes um basically what's happening with the d and d 1 d and d is they are making a set of rules that are fully compatible with the current edition of D&D. And so when people speculate, oh, they're going to remove ability scores, and they're doing this and doing... They're not rewriting the game. This is not a Mm -hmm. new version. This is a version of the rules that can exist in parallel with the current version of the rules. And that's why they can be completely backwards compatible, because they're not changing rules. They're changing some, but they're adding to those rules and making another version that you could use instead of the first set. But you can still use the first set if you wanted to. Yeah, I think, um, and this is a really an interesting I, way. I
0: think the I think the best way to think about this cuz I was I was trying to say like well some r- rules are changing. I think the core engine of the game is the same. It's kind of like the same core yes. d20, you know, rule set. Some or I mean it's core d20 engine is the same. But Some rules are changing and how some spells work and, you know, we'll get into it. But some stuff is changing that, you know, you'll have to take rule set A or rule set B and decide what you want to use. But the core engine is the same.
2: Yeah. And the way that they're doing the public playtesting is they've had all of fifth edition. They've had this concept of unearth Arcana, which is a play test rules that they release periodically and then they let people play around with them for two to four weeks and then they get a survey back and ask hey what did you think about that and that's what they're doing with this and they just released their first version of this arcana that is very specific to one well actually a small set of elements um this one specifically focuses on character origins and we're going to take a closer look at that. We'll talk about what it is today and what it is there. Um, what I find interesting, again, if you've never played D&D, does this matter to you? Not really. But it is interesting to see what they're doing from a design perspective and how they're approaching this. Um, just it, it's what they're trying to do is have their cake and eat it too. Hey, we're going to give you a new edition. We're going to sell you all new core rule books. But don't worry. Don't get mad at us because we're going to keep all the old stuff too. Um so how is that possible? And that design methodology is super interesting to me anyway. Um, so let's talk about it. Let's get into this. Um, I will say that this, yeah, let's just start from the top. <laughs> you guys watched the preview. Um, mm-hmm. You've scanned over the playtest document because um, you just downloaded it about 15 minutes before we uh, went on the air anything jump out at you right away like do you have questions about what they're doing because i think that's kind of a a good place to start
0: um after scanning scanning the playtest documents no nothing jumps out at me immediately but i like i said i haven't gone through it but i did watch that whole video and i think it's pretty interesting how one thing that they talked about and always struck me as like a little bit strange is when you choose your background you got you kind of get like a you know how it is now in fifth edition you get a couple of like flavor points maybe like oh i choose the alkalite i choose the sailor you get like oh if you're a sailor then you're proficient in you know sailing vessels if you're an alkalite you're you get an extra you know i forget what you get for the alkalite but you know whatever yeah um usually yeah um, which can be handy and and might like play into like you know what background you want you want to choose but they seem to really want to emphasize now they'll still have those backgrounds for you that you can choose from but they say like you can come up with your own custom background here's the formula that you can use and then you can decide where you want to put these points yourself in here and you'll get more and different points you, can, you can get stat bonuses based on, you know, the kind of background that you want to choose. Um, so more than just, like, I'm proficient in, you know, sailing vessels, I'm proficient in horseback riding, you can just, in, in mounted combat, you can be like, oh, because of my background, I actually have, like, now a plus and plus one to strength because of my background.
2: Yeah, yeah I think you, so you, the old backgrounds were mostly flavor, yeah with a couple skills that added in there. And even there's an ability that comes with the backgrounds that say, you know, if you're a performer, you can always, you know, whenever you're staying at an inn, they'll hire you to, you know, perform and give you a few gold gold pieces. Um, Also, typically, um, I think it was your background. At some point, you had, like, flaws and goals and all this stuff that you you know, story defined for your character. That's been removed from this. So... This this playtest document, which is about 22 pages long, I think, I would say Mm -hmm. 18 of those pages focus on character origins. That is, what is a race now in D&D? What is a background in D&D? And how does that play together? And what I found interesting is there trying to make the races. So the races used to be a lot. Your race defined, you know, all of your special traits. There were sub races. Um, Races also defined attribute bonuses. And they got rid of those um, a while back because in Tasha's Guide to Everything, to say, look, you can pick any race you want and then give your bonuses wherever you want that race. Optional rule, but instead of getting a plus two to con and a plus one to strength if you're a dwarf or whatever the plus is, you can just... If you want to be a smart dwarf, make yourself a smart dwarf. And that actually at the time was met with a fair amount of resistance from, you know, the old school D&Ders. Like, mm-hmm. wait a minute. Like, why even have races then? So then, now they said, you know something? Hold my beer. We're going to go a step further. <laughs> And I think this
1: is this is huge. And I this is what I was looking at here too, is they are taking it so that, you know, it used to be, I think they're taking away a lot of people's ability to just like, well, I'm gonna min-max, and I know if I want to be an illusion wizard, I have to be a gnome, and this is how I create the best character of this type using the race and the background that best suits this kind of thing. And now you have to do it yourself. And you don't have to be a, you know, I can choose to be a dwarven illusion wizard, or I can choose to be, you know, a gnome barbarian. And they're going to give you the bonuses to be able to make that happen. However, it appeals to you. And you know, like that's part of your your story and your creation, your game is being able to completely customize your character in a way that is way more fun, I think.
2: Yeah, and I mean, that's that's exactly right, because right now, in the current I just like most versions of moment. D&D, I mean, but, it, but you're, you hit <laughs> the nail on the head, right? Because if you want to be the best illusionist, like, okay, well, I have to be a gnome. And it mm-hmm. forces you to play a character mechanically. If you want to maximize mechanically, you have to pick certain choices. And most stories, not, not even fantasy stories or D&D stories, just stories in general, are about heroes that are not the norm. They're outside yeah. of that, right? You know, Dritz- They don't the, necessarily
1: fit in. They're not the best of their kind. They're not the the typical, like, you know, we don't want to hear the story about, like, you know, the best jock in high school gets good at football. You know? <laughs> like, well, those like, aren't the good stories.
2: <laughs> one of the most popular uh, D&D characters in books is Dritz Durr or something or other, um, who is a drow ranger- wielding two swords who's good. And that the reason this character is compelling is cuz he gets to, goes against all stereotypes. But if you try to play that in most versions of D&D, you can't. Like dwarves weren't even you playable fail. characters in some versions, right? Mm-hmm. So now what they're saying is look, the stereotypical elves and dwarves and all of that ha- is is out there. It exists. But we're not going to mechanically tie your hands. So if you want to play the gnome barbarian, you're not going to mechanically suffer for wanting to play that character. Play that character. And you'll be fine. You'll be just as good as the orc barbarian because you're an exception to the rule. And I find that I I like that. Now, some people are still going to be like, oh, no, 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 gnomes are weak. and It's like, sure, fine. Most gnomes are. This one isn't. That's that's the point,
1: and you know, if there's nothing in these rules that says you can't play a you know human fighter with strength and you know like there's nothing yeah. telling you no you can't play the typical yeah, you
0: can't characters. you can't play a half orc barbarian there are no rules
1: against anything <laughs> yeah right yeah. yeah you know you can't you know, you can have a party that is an elven ranger. A human fighter, your half work barbarian, and your gnome wizard, and no one's stopping you.
2: Yeah. And that's There's the whole no point. Open the doors for
1: more stuff, too.
2: Yeah. This opens up all of the options. So the way they're doing this is instead of races having sub races, um, they now have lineages, which honestly are basically the same thing. But your race is no longer giving you any bonuses. They give you three or four core things that are common to all. Um, you know, members of that particular race. And then lineages can kind of shift things just a tiny little bit. Um, But they do not have anything to do with your stat bonuses. Your stat bonuses come from your background. And you are encouraged to make your own. So backgrounds become far more weighty because you're going to choose your stat bonuses, uh, which will be your plus one, plus two, or you can take plus two, three plus ones. You're going to get two skills. You're going to get your tool proficiency, your language. Um, You get a first level feat. So now feats have levels and the lower level feats are just part of your character. And what backgrounds really do is say it allows you to create something that's different than the norm right out of the gate. Like I can customize my character a lot more now than I ever could before, even at first level. And I I just, I find that fascinating. Um, The other thing they removed is half races. So there's no more half elves. There's no mm-hmm. more half-orcs. This part I don't like. Um, Not because they removed them as I think that's fine. But what they've done is say, look, mini races can come together. You can be a half-orc, half-elf if you want to be. But mechanically, the way they deal with that is you choose one of them for your mechanical benefits. And then the other one is just flavor. Um, I do want to see some kind of mechanical combination. Maybe you can swap a trait or something from the different races. I think that'd be more interesting. Um, but it is, it's like, they're totally stepping, like, removing the half-elf from D&D is crazy. It is kind of crazy as, um, like, a
0: race thing.
2: Right. But there's, like, they're not removing yeah. it. It's just they're removing the mechanical version of it. You can still be a half-elf. So, um, but I find I, I would like to see a little bit emerge in those mechanics.
1: Yeah, because basically it it straight up says, choose one of those races that provides your game traits. Yep. That's it. You choose one. You can mix and match characteristics like color, ear shape, and the like of the two (laughs) options. Like, great. So I can be a human with pointy ears or an elf that is shorter than normal. I don't know. Like, now. Now, when
2: you mix that in the background, you can get some interesting combinations, right? I can mm-hmm. say, all right, I'm a half-elf, so I'm going to choose the human traits. Well, actually, I'll choose the elf traits, and then as my background for my skills and my languages and stuff, I'll use that to kind of define my human side. But I would like a little bit, like a little bit more to bring those together. Um, again... Open feedback starts on September 1st, so if you are invested in D&D, uh, read over these rules and provide your feedback, because that's that's what's going to drive these changes. What we mm-hmm. see in this document is not going to be what we see in the final. Um, the first time I played D&D Next, which was what was going to become 5th edition, it was a completely different game than what finally came out. And what finally came out was very good. What I played was utter trash. Like, it was... <laughs> So bad. Uh, But they don't have to go back to square one, right? They're just adding things here. Um, A few other things that they're adding, um, they have three new spell lists, Arcane, Divine, and Primal. Many people are thinking that this is going to replace the spell list from the classes. It is not. Um, If you listen to... So there's two... There's a trailer video, and then there's an hour-long video where um, uh, Jeremy Crawford, who's the lead designer of the game, talks about why some of these things were added classes are still going to work like classes do today, for the most part. Like, obviously, there's going to be changes to them. They'll have their own spell list. They'll have their own, you know, abilities and stuff. But there's now these three spell lists that they can reference when an ability wants to reference a certain type of spell. So instead of saying pick from the wizard spell list or pick from the sorcerer spell list, they can just say pick from the arcane spell list. And the and what makes it Which nice is, so is nice. they can add spells... Yeah, they can add spells to the arcane spell list over time without rewriting that former yeah. rule. Because a lot mm-hmm. of like, you know, it'll say pick from one of these 10 spells. But now the next book says, oh, there's two more that you can pick from. But well, we can't really change that. But if you add it to the arcane spell list and then you're using those, it just works. So they're not reworking how spells work. They're just adding they're, some shorthand. They're lists
0: reworking how they some list. spells work.
2: Yes. they. So that's another thing, too. They're going to go back and rework spells. Um, they're going to go back, rework some skills, some feats. They're reworking a lot of this stuff. And for the most part, they can live at the same time. Like, I can use the old version or the new version, and it's fine. Usually, the new version is going to be better because they're upping power. They're not nerfing for the most part. Um, some of the rules that are changing. D20 tests. Did you guys know that 20 isn't always a success?
0: Yes. Actually, this is yes. one of the things that uh, is annoying me.
1: We both have you as a deal. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, Fletcher, you don't like this new rule.
0: I don't like... So, this part of the new rule, um, what they're, you know, quote-unquote, fixing is... So, so this, the rule how, how it is now is if on your two-hit roll if you roll a 20 it is an automatic success if you roll a 1 it is an automatic failure that is it on any other on any other roll so like skill checks or anything like that that rule does not apply but a lot of people that's how it is today that's how it is today a lot of people house yep. rule that or don't realize that that is that that is you know not a rule so when when whenever you roll a d20 if you roll 20, it's considered an automatic success. If it's a one, it's an automatic failure. So they they have decided to make that a rule for skill checks, for those other kind of checks. So they're saying, okay, since people play that way, we should make it a rule. I don't like that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so at, in in fairness, that was how it is in most previous editions. But I, I mean, it's interesting, Kitty, what do you think about this?
1: I'm doing it again. (laughs) The silence is there, even though Chris took it away. I feel conflicted because there are two situations. (laughs) There is one situation in which I am rolling the die, and I get a 20, and I still fail. And I'm like, why did the DM even let me roll the die? Yep. And then there's the situation where I'm really good at something and someone else in my party goes, oh, well, you know, you just failed at that, so I'll just give it a shot. And they roll a 20. I'm like, then why am I even in this party?
2: Yep. So, I agree with you. And those, both those are my two um,
1: feelings, and they're not I'll really add,
2: <laughs> I'll add another one compatible. in there. You're, you're good at something and you roll a 1 and automatically fail. Now, I personally, yeah. I like this rule. Um, whether you guys know it or not, we've always played with this rule. Um... Because ability checks are those things, they're they're part of the story that can be um, hand-waved and and easy to change at the table. So, but I agree with you. I like that 20 is a success. I I don't have a problem with that. I like that one's a fail. But the DM now has to be careful because if they allow a roll, they have to understand there's a 5% chance that they just would succeed. And if I make you roll... Even if you're really good at it, there's now a five percent chance that you could fail. So mm-hmm. the DM has to be careful when they when they allow that roll. Now, one of the things um, I personally like to do is just not let people roll on skills if you're not proficient. Um, If you're trying to do something that's, you know, relatively complicated, you know, if you are not proficient in in arcane magic, then, you know, rolling to figure out what this rune is, it's not going to do any good for you, right? Even if you have a high intelligence. Um, But again, that's more of a table rule thing than it is a rules rule thing. Um, But I don't really have a problem with this one. I am curious what other people feel, because I did not realize that Fletcher would be so against it. And Kitty's obviously conflicted. I
0: I think like... (laughs) I mean, I haven't DM'd in a long time, but from my perspective, I feel like the DM shouldn't really be telling people no, don't roll for that. Or if some, you know, if you're in a tavern, or if you're in, you're trying to invest, like, you know, make an investigation check, right? I feel like the DM shouldn't. Someone's like, oh, I want to search to see if there's like the papers that we're looking for if they're here. It's like, okay, DM says, M- roll for investigation. See if you find anything. And then the DM's head, they're like, "Well, they're in the wrong spot." Like the way I kind of have this story set up, like they're not going to find what they need here. So no matter what they roll, they're going to fail. But then if they roll a 20, it's like, "Uh, okay. So then do they actually find something or am I just going to tell them you did the best you could, well, but you don't so find anything?" So keep So remember, it doesn't a 20 doesn't mean that something magically
2: happens. Right, but it's a but if it's you a say, success. Hey, I want to search this room. It is a success. Hey, I want to search this room. I rolled a twenty. I succeeded. You did. You searched the entire room and you found nothing because there was nothing you in are there to find.
1: Certain there is nothing in this room. Yeah.
2: So so you don't have to make something up. Now what I would typically do because I'm I like moving things forward is like you didn't find anything, but you maybe you got some kind of clue of where you should actually look or something like mm-hmm. that right you got a note that said mentioned something about the the warehouse down the street so you can do things like that
1: this is something that's i i don't know playing other systems i i never remember anymore if i'm not looking at the rules directly but i think successes and failures should be kind of on a scale of like how well you succeed versus how poorly you fail, like what will happen. And the DM should know kind of like, okay, well, if they roll really high, they're going to get all the information. If they roll moderately, they'll get some of the information If they hit in the middle. Maybe they'll get like a lead. And if they fail, they'll, you know, learn nothing. And if they spectacularly fail, then they will get misinformation. And like having that kind of thought process and knowing like, where the numbers sort of hit on like, well, this will lead to this will lead to this, and having that, y- you should never have a kind of a dead end, and knowing kind of when to offer roles, like, hey, you know, like we're in this room, you know, if somebody had asked me if they could roll investigation in this room, they could have learned something, but because nobody asked, we're just going to move on, kind of like you know, there's there's so much to yeah. DMing, and that yeah, leads DM- me. <laughs> to one of my things that I think is most interesting about this is in the announcement, the trailer that I watched, I didn't listen to the whole hour-long video because I'm a bad host, (laughs) but they said they are going to be rewriting the manuals to be more beginner-friendly. And I would love that for a DM's manual because I think they are written... As like, hey, you've been playing this game for ten years. You want a DM now, right? Like
2: the DM's manual is terrible. I, I will just come so right out and say it's so
1: bad. It's so bad, and it's very confusing even for players when you have to reference the DM. Like it's like, oh, we'll ask your DM for this table so you can buy your starting gear. But we don't actually give you the right number of gold to be able to buy any of the starting gear that we didn't even give you a price for. That's where I I don't know it just breaks yeah. me. So Based on thing that, that manual, that
2: yeah, that's another thing they're trying to um, fix too. Is they're going to revisit like starting equipment and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so re- related to the D twenty test though, um, actually I, I want to relate to your your spectrum. D and D doesn't have a spectrum, but you can kind of do it by saying on a. Normal success, this happens. On a hard success, this happens. On a very hard success, that happens. So it's like steps of five. Um, so if you were writing an adventure and you wanted to write all these DCs down, difficulty classes, um, you could – like steps of five. If you did this, you got that. I. It's also fairly easy for an experienced DM to just let that spectrum be. So I know what the minimum is that I need you to roll – um that i want you to roll essentially but if you roll Mm -hmm. one under that i'm not going to say you know nothing i'm going to say well you didn't get what you needed and i like doing that spectrum because i think it does make more sense um but as the rules as written there's a hard number that you must get to right um but related to the d20 is critical hits in the current system if you make an attack roll and you roll a 20 you do a critical hit and all of the dice that you would do for damage you get to roll twice well, apparently this is confusing. And they're removing critical hits for anything except for weapon and unarmed attacks. Yeah. So spells can no longer crit if you're making an attack roll. And also, you don't get any extra dice. So if you're a rogue and you have your sneak attack, you only roll the weapon dice as an extra, not all the dice that were on the critical. I personally do not like this. Um mostly because it nerfs a lot of spells and it nerfs the rogue significantly um, He'll probably have to bump I think it, a version of this yeah <laughs> I think a, a version of this will happen I think what will end up happening is like the rogue's sneak attack will specifically say you get to re-roll those dice and for critical hits or something like that um but I think that there's a lot of spells that have attack rolls where the crit Taking away the crit actually causes those spells to be much weaker, so I think that this may change. Um, they emphasize that this is one of the biggest things that they just want to see how people um, react to it. So we'll see. Um, and then there are some conditions they added. They fixed the grapple condition in my mind. What um, grapple used to? Well, do you forgot. Nothing. You forgot
0: to talk. You forgot <laughs> to talk about how the critical. Is now only for player characters. It's no longer for monsters. Oh, right,
2: yes. As Aww. written, monsters can't crit. Yeah. I actually agree with that. It makes part sense, a lot. actually. I, I think, think that's that a monsters, good change. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think monsters should be able to crit. And before, and I know a lot of people are like, what? Um, monsters have a lot of ways to do burst damage to characters. And there is never a time as a DM where a crit comes when I want it to and does what I mm-hmm. want it to do. It's, it's something that at low levels, oops, I accidentally killed you. Um, yep. and I rolled max damage and I created crit. it
0: and now you're dead. Sorry about that.
2: Yeah. Or at high levels, I roll, roll a crit and I roll like two ones and it's like, Oh, I crit and I do six points of damage. Like it's, it's always, it just doesn't feel good to crit as the DM side. Um, So I like that. And I think that that's the one thing about crits that probably should stay is just take them away from the DM. They don't need them. Um, But yeah, so grappling now, grappling used to just be your character couldn't move, which is sort of lame because it had no other effect. Now your character can't move and you're at disadvantage for attacking anyone besides the person grappling you, which means that holding on to someone actually will do something now. And it can be something that's an interesting you know, battle tactic.
1: Hmm. Um, that sounds like Pathfinder.
2: <laughs> um, well, grappling it changes every <laughs> single... Uh, grappling just is always changing. It's a hard thing to get right.
1: I actually um, think grappling in Pathfinder is even more complicated. Like, grappling in Pathfinder oh, is one of those things that's just like, okay, let's get out the table. It reminds me of uh, playing Carcassonne with all the expansions where you have to have the, like... <laughs> yeah. What happens when flow chart <laughs> of events? Yeah. So if
2: you look, if you look at grappling in 3.0 is one set, 3.5 is another set, and 3.75, i.e. Pathfinder, is another set, they're constantly changing the grappling rules because they're really mm-hmm. hard to get right. Pathfinder um, second the last, edition
1: now has yet another yeah. set.
2: The last thing I want to talk about is inspiration. Um for so they know that most groups do not play with inspiration. And it's primarily because inspiration, as written, is kind of crappy. Um, it's a role playing reward, so your DM has to—you have to do something that is worthy of getting inspiration, something cool or exciting or whatever. Um, and half the times, DMs just forget to do it. I forget to do it. I'm like, okay, you guys do it, and you guys forget to do it. Yeah. And it is a choice you have to make before the role, and you can only have one of them. So even if you have inspiration, it is our nature to hoard it until the most important moment and then forget to use it. Um,
1: I don't know. I use the resources. I'm a resource source user. U- sure. Resource user. I can't talk, but I use resources.
2: So you guys, I don't know if you guys know that we've never played by inspiration as written. We play a slight variation of this. But their version, their new version that they're testing is still you have to use inspiration before the roll. It gives you advantage. Um, you automatically gain it anytime you roll a 20. If you gain it when you already have it, you can immediately give it to someone else in the group, and you lose it anytime after a long rest. So, what they're trying to do is encourage you to use it because you can get more of it. I hate these rules. I hate every single every <laughs> single line of these. I, hate well, um,
0: I think this is actually kind of cool. Why do you hate
2: this? Uh, so yeah, I first, like it better. so first, I don't mind. Using it before, well, the only real difference that I can see here is the is the 20. Um, I don't mind using it before because it gives you advantage. So giving you advantage is nice because it can trigger other things that trigger off of having advantage. Um, gaining when you roll a 20, great, but that's a win more mechanic. If I roll a 20 and I'm doing good, you're going to let me do better. If I roll a one, then I get nothing and it just is a feel bad. So I honestly think you should get inspiration on a one. Because that's like, hey, you rolled a one, you definitely failed, but your next roll, if you decide to use inspiration, you're going to do better for it. I I think that makes, like, it feels better that way. You can give it on a 20 as well, but you should also give it on a one. Um, Giving away inspiration when you already have it, that's actually fine. I don't really care. And losing it after a long rest, I don't really care either. Um, I just hate the inspiration mechanics. The, The way that I modify it for you guys, and the way that I will always modify it, is we play as written... You can, you can do all of this and get inspiration, but you also have the option of using it after a roll, but all it gives you is a re-roll. It doesn't retroactively give you advantage. It's just like, oh, crap, I should have used my advantage. Okay, you can roll again. You, you have to use the second die, but that uses your inspiration. And to me, I have found that you guys are much more willing to use it on those types of situations than if I say you have to tell me up front.
1: I think it's interesting that giving it on the 20 seems to um, kind of give DMs an excuse to like, oh, I don't need to remember to give it for role-playing reasons anymore.
2: Yeah. Well, in fact, they're removing, you know, those, those role-playing uh, uh, hooks from the origins. And so the, you don't have as many ways, because that's what it's supposed to be. Those hooks Versus If you play to one of these four different traits, personality traits then you get inspiration like that was the idea of trying to shove role playing into the rules so i again i don't mind the auto give on a 20 um i would still add a one in there as well mine is just i want to be able to use it after the roll. i always want to be able to use it after the roll. it doesn't have to give me it's just a re-roll but i want to be able to use it after the fact because i would use it much more often i know you guys do because it's the only way you yeah but it It is literally the only way uh, so i
0: think that's The only way we use it now is because, like, that's the reason why is because, at least for me, like, I tend to hoard it because I, you know, I get them so sparingly. But if I would get them more often, then I would be like, oh, yeah, actually, I think I want advantage on this roll because I know I could probably get it again.
1: I need a system where, like, if we're playing online, I want to pop up before I roll. Do you want to use inspiration on this roll? Just to remind me, like, hey. This is a choice you can make because it is not something I think about.
2: Well, and even it told even if me I, that
1: before I would think for a second, maybe I do.
2: See, again, I, I just I watched, forget about it. I watch a lot of people do this, and there are some people. It's like, yes, I want to use inspiration, and here's the other reason why choosing beforehand is a feel bad, no matter how you look at it. Is if you roll double success, you feel like your inspiration's lost, It like was wasted. And if you roll double fail, you feel like your inspiration's wasted. The only time that it feels like inspiration was useful is if you actually split the D20s. Mm -hmm. And then you're like, oh, that was a great use of inspiration. It happens so rarely, though. So rolling after the fact, you know that you failed already. So having that second roll, it it never feels bad. Yes, you could still fail, but it doesn't feel bad. You don't feel like you wasted inspiration.
1: So is that the way we – I thought we were actually using it where you rolled and you made us choose if we were going to re-roll before we knew the result. So we knew our number oh, on the die, that's, but we had – And I mean, we had to kind of guess, yeah. like, is they good enough?
2: <laughs> yeah, I think they're removing all of that because know before roll the die, see the number, and know before the result. Nine times out of 10, you know – the result it's true it doesn't it doesn't really (laughs) matter so i never try to hide that i tell you it's like okay you need a 15 to hit like there's no reason to hide that information because you can just keep track Um, of it and
0: be like okay i hit on a fit i hit on a 16 but i miss on a 14 (laughs) yeah.
1: yeah
2: yeah so so yeah so that's inspiration i will be i'm basically kind of sharing my my feedback for what i hate or what i like and hate um but in Back general,
1: other systems are better sometimes. Bennies were so much more fun.
2: Yeah, because they were real. Yeah. Yeah. Because you used them after the fact. No, I wanted to. And also we that. had
1: physical coins that we threw at each other. And I don't sure. think that is rules as written, but it was really fun. Yes. I just remember I just when think- Sydney did a crazy thing when we were just like showering her with Bennies, like Yes, all the Bennies to Sydney for going on a wild bird chase.
2: Well, and that's what I say. It's like rolling after the fact. It's just, it feels better. Um, So anyway, regardless of what the inspiration rules are officially, that'll always be a rule in my game. Um, (laughs) And that summarizes this first thing. There's no classes. um, There's only a couple rules changes. And you can start to see how you could use these rules now to create your race and it wouldn't break anything. Mm
1: -hmm. Right?
2: These can live very... Easily beside what already exists, and I like this approach. This I'm I'm confident that if they keep going this way, they can create almost a parallel version of Five E that can be played with the first one. Fine, and that's why all of the old books still work because yeah, the power levels think are it's, the same.
1: It is very smart of them to keep all this because fifth fifth E. I'm very tired. Fifth edition or 5e, either one of those works, 5th um, <laughs> edition has been so wildly popular with new players and bringing new players in. It is so much more user-friendly and accessible than other versions of DD have been. And I think by saying like, hey, we are keeping that aspect of it and everyone who we have brought in, don't worry, we're not taking that away from you. It's it's much more reassuring than like, hey, we're just going to try something new. And I think that's something even in the name that you're seeing D&D next versus D&D one is like the playtest title of this either point five or new edition, whatever it is that they're secretly actually cooking up back there. D&D next is we're starting over. D&D one is we are combining and creating togetherness. It's so. also
2: one d and D. I I mean, come on. <laughs> This has existed for a week now. Get it right. Um,
1: I only learned about <laughs> its existence two days ago because Chris doesn't give us enough time to do our homework.
2: <laughs> hey, this just was announced four days ago, so um, so it hasn't been is, a
1: week. You're a liar. Yeah. You this found has been hot off here, the guys. press. <laughs> Chris,
0: I want to know um, what because we mentioned it briefly, but feats have levels now, and I don't. I I mean I haven't read the full. Uh, you know play test yeah. thing but so what do you think about yeah. that
2: so this is th- this is probably the most significant change is they are lean so feats in the original um version were optional the dm could be like no we don't have feats and feats for those who don't know are basically special abilities or powers that you can add to your character and things that in make Lulu, your
1: character else. fun to play yes <laughs>
2: Um, and they do. And, but other people really, really hate them because it's another min-max potential. So what they're looking to do here... I'm a filthy min-maxer
1: here, and everyone knows it about me, so... <laughs> yeah. I,
2: I like the feats. I don't. I think the feats in 5e are... There's just not enough of them. Um, And they mm-hmm. never really... They've added a few over the years, but just never enough to make it all that interesting. Plus, they're drastically different in power level, right? There's a handful mm-hmm. of feats that you just have to take to be have to have mechanically them. viable. Um. Yep. Or you can take the flavorful ones and be like, oh, I just wasted, uh, you know, plus one across the board.
1: <laughs> yeah, I could have had other things for this. Yeah.
2: So what they're trying to do now is say, look, feats are an integral part of the game. And they are going to be w- places where you can um, customize your character, which w- what feats were always. But we're going to understand that feats have different power levels and we can't treat all of them the same. For your So your first level feats, which you take when you create a first-level character, there's not a ton of them, so you don't have to look across an entire array. They're just a small number that are flavorful, that kind of add to the personality of your character. The most mechanical one is toughness, which gives you an extra plus two hit points per level. Um, But in general, they... They give the character personality, but they don't overpower them at first level. Now, I presume, this is another, my opinion is certainly fact, um, I presume that they're going (laughs) to have levels that are every four levels. So it'd be first, fourth, eighth, twelfth um, for their feats, which kind of match what the most classes where they get extra things are at fourth, eighth, twelfth. Um, So that's what I presume they're going to uh, do. We don't know yet because we haven't seen anything past level one feats but i like that because it means that hey if i'm taking an 8th level feat that can be the thing that you know allows me to double my damage on all of my two-handed weapons and i don't have to we don't have to worry about that existing for a first level character which is grossly unbalanced but something you have to take but at 8th level okay that's that's totally fine that's that's something that fits at the power level so i like this idea of leveled feats because it means they can put more of them out there they can be more flavorful and it just makes it a very interesting um system. So that's my take on it.
0: Yeah, I wonder like if it's gonna have a spell type mechanic where you could be like, uh, you know, at level eight, like can you take one level eight feet or two level one feet? You know what I mean? I think the way it'll probably work is when you take a feet, you can
2: take a feet of any level of what you qualify on or lower. Yeah, that would make sense.
1: Yeah. My guess is it's yeah. gonna work a lot like feats did. In Pathfinder,
2: yeah, okay. <laughs> not in Pathfinder <laughs> in D anD D three because that's basically what Pathfinder is.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah,
2: but actually, Pathfinder feats and you I mean I don't really go want to go too far down this, but the difference between um, the reason why people really didn't like Pathfinder feats or really did like it is Pathfinder feats were like a tech tree. I take this, yeah. which can lead to this, which can lead to this, and if I take this and this, and I can get this one here. Um, this is a flatter system. Like you still have prerequisites, but I don't expect them to have like the tech tree prerequisites. I don't think you'll have to have this first level feat to get this fourth level feat. I think it'll be like this fourth level feat you can get if you have a 15 or better con. That's what I'm I would think the prerequisites are, um or, you know, that might be a class um prerequisite or something like that. I don't think they're going to be chained because that just make that's uninteresting, right? A fourth level feet that requires a first level feet doesn't give me choices for my first level feet. It means I have to pick that if I want that fourth level feet.
1: Well, no, I, I think you can create a branching system where each first level feet has three second level feats that come off of it and each second level feet has, you know, three and maybe there's overlap between like if you took you know, any one of these, you can get these four, fourth level or yeah. whatever it is. You know, like there there's a it's more of a a flow through to get your tech feats tree. rather than yeah. I like yeah. a tech tree.
2: <laughs> yeah. Stop trying and to again, take
1: away my tech trees.
2: And again, a lot of people <laughs> That's do. Why so I'm I not like I'm
1: Pathfinder. Not, but the great I, thing about Pathfinder is also I like the worst tech thing trees about too. Pathfinder is it's so yeah. complicated that nobody will DM it.
2: <laughs> yeah. I like tech trees too. Uh, but I do think this is kind of a nice in-between where you have these leveled things. And hopefully as as it feats makes aren't dependent on other feats.
1: I just, you know, if you don't take Sharpshooter, why should you be able to get Clustered Shot? It's
2: sure. Just, so, but why not just have Clustered Shot, do what it does?
1: Because then you're already, you you basically have Sharpshooter. It just, it doesn't make any sense.
2: <laughs> well, another thing too, with Pathfinder is there is a lot, you could take a lot more feats in Pathfinder. Um mm-hmm. Where in 5th edition, even at level 20, as written today, unless you're a fighter, the most number of feats you could have is 5.
1: Yeah. They're just much less a part of your character. And it's fine. Oh, one
2: other thing. Um, For sure. So there is a new race. (laughs) Um, There's a a counter to the, the Tiefling race is like they're part demons. There's a counter to that race, which is like part angelic something or others. Um, so that's there. And But the thing I find interesting is the tiefling, the ardent, which I think is the name of the new race, and the human now have the ability to choose what size they are. They can be small or medium. And I really, really like that. Um, partly that's for, you know, there are small humans out there, so why not? Also, you can now play kids. Because before, if you played a, a child in any of these races, you were still medium by definition. Right, so now you can kind of choose your thing. So I I find that interesting. I do want to have one little rant at the end before we go into the credits. Um, Bless you. Go ahead, Kitty.
1: (laughs) Why can't you play a large human? There are eight-foot humans.
2: But an eight-foot human, well, there are, but that's relatively rare. Um, But an eight-foot human would still be medium uh, by the rules of the game. You're still in that medium range.
0: Maybe not eight foot, but seven
2: foot. But seven foot is is certainly... If you were playing an eight or foot human, then you would four. just choose to be an orc, half orc that looks like a human because that's what you do. You choose the orc's stats. I choose to be humans. a
1: large human.
2: Fine. You can be a large human. That's what I would say. <laughs> um, you take penalties though because you can't fit through doors if you're large. <laughs> um, all right. So here's my rant. And this is this is a counter rant to some people who are ranting the other way. A few things have happened over the last year for D and D that I know. And you know, we know people that are very anti this as well. Um, Getting rid of alignment, getting rid of um, stat boosts on, on races, um, getting rid of, um, I mean, those are the big ones, but getting rid of like sub races and all of those things. There's a lot of people that are like, you're, you're pulling away. What is D and D? And when I say getting rid of alignment, I mean, getting rid of alliance alignment on monsters. So like drow are retconned to not all be evil. Up until about a year ago, all draw, draw were evil, um, except for the very few exceptions. Now they're retconned that that's not the case. This is not a problem. This is great for people who want to play a game where they're playing the exceptions to the rule. If the rules say something, like draw are evil, then you have to break the rules to do something outside of that. And I don't think while the game is fine if you break those rules, I don't think that that should be something that you have to do to play the character that you want to play. That doesn't mean that all the drow in your world aren't evil. If you're a DM, all drow are evil. That's fine. That's your world. That's what's there. It's just not an actual rule. It is your world that layers this on top. By removing the restriction by removing the the this is what it is, it means that you can now have it be anything you need it to be. I think this is good. And I'm saying this from a camp where when I first heard this, I'm like, ah, this is ridiculous. Why why do they need to do this? It just makes sense. Especially when you look at Eberron. Kitty, you like Eberon, right? And Dark Side. I don't
1: dislike Eberon. <laughs>
2: So, if you look yep. at those systems in Dark Sun, all halflings are are savages; they're cannibals. So, but mm-hmm. if you wrote in the core rule books that halflings are all fun folk, then Dark Sun has to break that rule to make those halflings. So, what they're trying to do, and like goblins, right? Goblins in Eberron are a full thriving culture um, by breaking. I think the- this is
1: fine as a rule. I do think, though, that you know it shouldn't turn every dungeon crawl into an ethics battle of should (laughs) we kill the baby troglodytes because it is a slog and I will not play with my husband anymore if that is going to be the case. Because (laughs) seriously, like if you are fighting monsters who are behaving monstrously, it should be fine. I just... You know, and if you want to be the exception and like you're going to play through that and that's like y- you just have to all be on board with like this is the case in our world. It, it is a world building tool that they are opening up. And that's great. I love everyone should have choices to play how they want.
2: But there should also be but things that- you can just murder anytime there you should want should just
1: to. be things you can <laughs> murder. And not because they are a certain race or whatever. It's because they are being bad guys doing evil things. That's why. Yeah. Hey, action. I agree. Not you know, and, and I, I agree that they should be separated. That's fine. It's just, you know, I don't want to have the ethics battles at the table. <laughs> you and Spencer can do that elsewhere.
2: <laughs> hey, he convinced me in the end. I was completely fine with you murdering a hatchery. I, would, I had no I problem. I
1: stopped with listening. <laughs> <laughs> whenever it comes back up, I will stop listening again.
2: (laughs) So, But I do find it interesting that you can, again, it's just removing that restriction from the rules. It doesn't mean it's removing it from your game. Your game is your world. And there are plenty of worlds now. I mean, they're releasing plenty of worlds these days. So anyway, um, I like where they're going with this. I do have criticism and feedback and such that I will be responding to on September 1st when the survey comes out. Um, we'll probably look at other things like different playtest materials. If it's interesting, we'll talk about it. And on this this direction more than anything else is making me want to start up our D&D game again and start kind of testing some of these rule changes and, and such just because, I don't know, I think some of these are interesting and I'd like to see how they work in play versus just what they theoretically work um,
1: mm-hmm. like, so, man, I want to make a character that will break your world. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Go for it. All right, let's call this a day. Um, I do have a couple, we have
1: certainly gone over.
2: Yeah, I have a couple names that I forgot to <laughs> add at the top of the show, and I forgot to add them last week, too. So, I'm gonna, um, How give them, dare you? <laughs> I know, full call out, uh, when we get to the Patreon sections. Uh, but first, Kitty, your time.
1: Tabletop Game Talk is a proud member of the Dice Tower Network. You can be part of our live recording Monday nights at 8.30 Central or join Discord to talk to us all week long. Both links are in the show notes. You can email us at feedback at tabletopgametalk.com if you want to talk to just Chris. Hosting feeds and giveaways <laughs> are sponsored by our patrons. If you'd like to be one of these wonderful people, you can find out how by visiting our website, tabletopgametalk.com, and clicking the Support Us link. Or there's a link in the show notes, too.
0: Finally, a huge thank you to our current
2: Finally... Difference. But first, I want to thank um, Paul Romer and Christy Kiel, which I believe both have been patrons in the past, um, for being patrons again. And now I will let... I thought you were going to do this to at the rest. end. Um, I'm going to do it at the end, too,
0: because I forgot to mention them last time. And
2: They get know, to be special. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: Finally, a huge thank you to our current patrons. Adam Harrison, Miles Clark, The Gift of Games, Sahara Wentworth, Jason Strong, John Lewis, Joe Hoover, Danita Hersey, Jim Conrad, Lightning Steve, Gary Bunker, Peter Fleming, Andrew Faish, John Williams, Sir Sully, Matthew Droke, Timothy, Paul Romer, Nicholas Lotz, Weatherman Keefe, Joe Punman, Leanne Verholst, Stephen Judd, Marina Stevens, Ben Gary, Sean Peck, Michael Yanikowski, Jeremy Fisher, Jason Marks, Christopher Dong, I see... <laughs> Chris Steele, like trying to edit as i'm r- talking <laughs> and, yes <laughs> and it's really throwing me off uh where was i andrew fayesh john williams sir sully matthew droke Timothy, paul romer nicholas lots weatherman keith joe punman leanne verhall Stephen judd marina stevens ben gary sean peck michael yanikowski jeremy fisher jason Marks, christian dong terence miltner richard yassi token fan forever michael finley Stephen falcon david radke brian arnold courtney folk ryan ellett dan c darren mcclellan david gardner tony simpkins jesse wheeler Charles Pearson, Agnes Toth, Ron Nelson, Aaron Moore, Don Gilstrap, Glenn Cotter, Eric Salander, Adrian Dong, Eric Huffman, Jason Ronney, Justin Willard, Jerry Wong, Chumpy Kelly, and Christy Keel.
2: And <laughs> thank you for everyone who's ever been a patron. Um, even if you stop and start again, I'm still going to call you out. Um, I know your support means the world to us. Keep playing games and having fun.
0: Alright, so um when are we starting our campaign? I uh, I don't know. When are we starting our campaign, Chris?
1: I assume I mean, you really stripped a- that awkward silence of <laughs> me and Fletcher I'm- just staring at you again. <laughs> I,
2: I'm it's this is Kitty. She's she's the one that's like always busy with little kids
1: running around. I was the one who had a kid. <laughs> Actually I thought it was uh Sydney who killed our last campaign. Was it really that long ago that children did this?
2: Um, No, we were playing with the children during the pandemic. But for some reason, we stopped. I think I killed it because I'm like, this is too much work. You guys are a lot of work.
1: Oh, yeah. You got mad because we wanted to play in dungeons. And you're like, I'm sick of this dungeon because the map was scaled wrong.
2: (laughs) I was sick of the dungeon. All right, fine. We'll start a new campaign (laughs) in the future. In the future. All right. But we have to start as level one. All right, well you're DMing, so whatever you want it
0: goes. <laughs> Everyone's level
2: 0. <laughs>